Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. What do you know about the menopause and the issues around it? It's been in the news a lot recently with high-profile women talking openly about their experiences. A shortage of HRT for women with menopause has also been highlighted. and There is a change in legislation that allows pharmacists to manipulate prescriptions relating to HRT uh, in order to rationalise uh, the amount of HRT medication in the pharmaceutical supply chain. So what's been done about it? Joining me on the line is Linda Bailey, who's the co-founder and director of Talking Menopause. Good evening, Linda. Good evening, Clive. How are you? I'm well, thank you, and thank you very much for your time this evening. For anybody who is unfamiliar or doesn't really understand, as it is a bit confusing, really, what is the menopause and when does it happen? What changes are going on in a female's body? Okay, so um, it's a very good question, and the question I'd also throw back out there is why don't we know about it either? Um, because it happens to over 50% of the population. So when we stop having periods, um, that is our menopause, um, and so our ovaries stop producing eggs. Um, and as a result of that, we have fluctuating hormone levels, which then start to cause symptoms. Um, and that is basically uh, what happens to us. And, and But it can bring around significant challenges for so many people um, with some of the symptoms that we can experience, such as cognitive challenges around menopause. So I think sometimes we have this, idea this almost stereotyped image of what a menopausal person is going to look like and so you know this older female who's having these hot, hot flushes and might be might be a little bit grumpy and mm-hmm. um, so you know we're trying to get away um from from that and and, and start to take it seriously and, and and i'm sure that you um have heard um you know a lot people make a lot of jokes about it as well um and it's quite a serious subject for quite a number of us in fact and I think as well, uh, you know, people make make a comment in a derogatory way, as a throwaway comment, and they say, "Oh, crumbs, you know, d- d- just ignore her. She, you know, she's hormonal or she's going through the menopause." Yeah. And, they, and and it's a throwaway comment, and I'm sure it's not meant maliciously, but you know, it, it, it's it's kind of how it is, you know. But as you say, it's because we don't understand, but we don't seek to yeah. educate ourselves. And I, I, yeah. I guess that the menopause can come at a variety of ages. It isn't necessarily the older woman. It has been known, I've read in medical journals, where it has actually uh, come to the forefront for much younger females as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say we need to get away from almost this stereotyped image that, that, that we have. And, you know, some um, people may experience menopause, um, you know, in their, teen, in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s. And, you know, uh, the average age for menopause for females in the UK is 51. Mm. Um, but we, can, we start to um, experience symptoms of perimenopause and so this time leading up to menopause when we haven't had a period for 12 consecutive months. Mm. Um, that Then we can start to experience then around about the age of 45. And, and that usually comes at a time for most people when they're really busy with lots of other things going on in their lives and not always recognising that, in fact, some of the symptoms they might be experiencing might be down to menopause. And, you know, that is down to a lack of education. And, and when when we think that, as I say, over 50% of the population are going to be affected by menopause, it's, it's an absolute travesty that so many don't know about it. And if 
we did know about it, then maybe we could do a lot more to prepare ourselves and have that knowledge, have that education, start to really explore around what support mechanisms are there for us and what can work. Um, but most of us, um, we don't really seek any help until we've reached an absolute crisis point, mm -hmm. um, and that's when we go and seek help. Um, for our symptoms and, I mean, and, and that's where what we need to change you say there that you know it can happen to people as, as young as you know being in their 20s so you're saying that mm. the ovaries are stop produced stop producing eggs in their 20s is that not more of a more serious medical condition yeah, and of course, it's going to be different for everybody, but some people will reach, um, you know, people can uh, reach menopause if they have surgery, for example, mm -hmm. if you have certain treatments for certain types of cancer, for example, but some people will go through um, menopause earlier through a, a, a natural menopause. And yeah, of course, and, you know, for younger people who experience menopause, you know, what, what they tell us and, 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 and what they talk about is it's really even harder to have the conversation, um, especially in the workplace, because people aren't expecting them to be having gone through menopause. And of course, you know, um, that can also come with a huge grieving process attached to it as well. And sometimes, you know, that that's not recognised or, or, or it's underestimated. Um, and so, again, it's really hard to have, have that conversation. So you set, up, you set up Talking Menopause then. Why did you feel the need to set it up? And, and tell me about the organisation. Well, Clive, um, I was a, a police officer in West Midlands Police um, and um, I was a serving police officer, a police inspector and I started to experience menopausal symptoms but at the time I didn't know what they were and it had a massive, massive impact on me um, to the point where I didn't feel that I can do my job anymore and I wanted to leave the organisation um, because I couldn't see a way out um, how to manage these symptoms that I was experiencing uh, and I'd gone from being really confident, you know, being able to do my job, l loving my job, to really not being able to go outside my front door. And nobody had told me about this. Uh, I'd never learned about it at school. I'd never had a conversation with any, any anybody about it. And what I realised over a long period of time I, I always had to educate myself which is what we talk about in our uh, organisation self-advocacy to learn about menopause and then to learn about what I could do to help myself um, and to you know manage it personally um, and, and in the workplace and I ended up having an amount of time off work and when I when I went back to work I real, realised, you know what, I'm not the only person in this organisation to be experiencing menopausal symptoms, but why is it not visible in my organisation? Why are we not talking about it? Why is it not reflected um, in, in, in what we do? And, and so then I started to do a lot of work around raising awareness of menopause. You know, the chief um, was involved in it, HR involved in it. So, so we could really start to raise awareness so that people could get the help and support that, 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 that they needed. So that's why I did it, um, to raise awareness. So other people wouldn't be in the same position as me. And, and so when through that work, I met a doctor called Dr. Louise Newson. Mm -hmm. um, and she came into West Midlands Police to have a look at what we were doing because in 2014 there were not a lot of organisations actually doing work around menopause and, and it was through her 
I met my business partner, Sarah Davis, um, and we set up Talking Menopause in 2017. And what we've been doing, what we do, what we've been doing since then is going into organisations, both public and private sector, and, and raising awareness of menopause so people can feel confident to talk about it and ask for help if they need it, because we do ask for help if we've got any other health condition that is happening to us, but we've got this lack of confidence um, around asking for help around menopause. And so that's what we do. And it's a fantastic job to do because every day we know that we are helping um, people to get that help and support that they need, but also helping managers who may feel a little bit awkward about having that conversation, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit unsure of the right words to use or how to approach it. Um, So we very much are trying to promote menopause-confident organisations so everybody within the organisation just feels confident to have this conversation because menopause is a normal, natural life event. That's right. Or, you know, over 50% of the population. Why are we scared to talk about it? Why are we afraid... (laughs) <laughs> Again, it's it's down to the stigma that's attached to it, which you've just alluded to, and it's the same with mental health. We don't ask for help with mental health, and I think it's yeah. because you know it, it, there's, there's 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 the stigma there is the the perception of being weak or inferior, and as you say, it's a perfectly natural bodily function that happens. Yes, yeah, yeah, and um, and I, and I think you know it hits on so many different conversations when we're talking about menopause yes there are the symptoms and how they impact and and um, you know how we help and support ourselves but if we look into organizations why do we not feel confident to have that conversation mm. is it because we feel that people are going to judge us in a way that we feel they feel we can't do our jobs anymore you know we is it going to have an impact on us if we speak up about our, our, our menopause? And certainly for people who work in a, a more male-dominated organisation, there's even less likelihood that people will, will speak up about menopause because they don't want to be judged. That's right. uh, and that's what we find, is that, that that's where the challenge is. Um, and, you know, if we look at organisations, you know, who sits around the top table in organisations, if you're the lone female within within that are you going to speak up and say do you know what i'm really struggling today and i can't remember your name and actually i've just forgotten how to do this process can you help me can you remind me Mm. we're probably not going to speak up within that environment no no that's right talk me through some of the symptoms i mean obviously they're different for different people as you said but just give me a sort of ballpark sort of you know idea of what they can be yeah, so so I think the the most common symptom that people are familiar with is a hot flush, um, where you know this real surge of heat that can happen, and and the visible representation is somebody you know perhaps looking a little bit flushed, getting a little bit flustered, um, and you know uh, opening a window, and in offices we call it aircon wars because you've got these different <laughs> temperatures that are going, to, you know that 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 are going on, and sometimes as a manager that can be difficult to manage, and and if you look at some of the humour and the joking around um, mm. menopause and it's very much along those lines you know do they on do they off window open window closed you know it's all those th- those kind of things um, but what we found certainly in the workplace it's the cognitive challenges that people face that cause the, the greatest impact so um, you know high levels of anxiety or that terminology around brain fog so that, that collective term that umbrella term for the cognitive challenges that we face so around you know forgetting forgetting people's names sometimes or forgetting processes or you know i've run, run a couple of sessions this week where people are talking about 
I've forgotten which side of the road I've got to drive on. Mm. I've lived in my house for 12 months. I couldn't remember how to open the door the other day. And, of course, when these things happen, a lot of us think, oh, my gosh, it's early onset dementia. It's Alzheimer's. This is what is happening to me because we don't understand that it's, it's to do with our fluctuating hormone levels. And when, when these things are happening to us, then it almost makes um, sense, I think, that, with, that, with that you know, we, we start to lose confidence and self-esteem because we feel that we can't rely on our bodies and our minds when we most need them. Mm. Um, and we know that stress, for example, can bring on some of the menopausal symptoms as well, which is why certainly in the workplace, people might take those steps back and say, well, I don't think I'm going to go for that promotion because I'm not quite confident to do mm. it now. Or I'm going to take on a lesser role or I'm going to ask to reduce my hours because I think that's how I can manage those symptoms far sure. better. Now, recently, yeah, so. I, I watched an interview with the BBC's Louise Minchin on BBC Breakfast, oh, yeah, and she yeah, was talking yeah. about this, and she said, I mean, we've tried to get in touch with Louise, but we're still waiting to hear from, from her. But yeah. she, the one thing, the overriding thing she experienced was brain fog, which you've just sort of alluded yeah. to. Um, and she yeah. was interviewing somebody one morning, and their name went completely out of her head. And, of course, it's live television. It's the same as live radio. If, you know, if you drive, yeah. you've got a bit of a problem. Yeah. So so that was something that, that she, that was her overriding uh, symptom and as you say you, you, you can perceive it to be dementia or something like that. it is just brain fog yeah. and, it, and it will clear you know yeah yeah but but, but the, because we aren't or haven't been educated around symptoms of menopause then I think our human nature is automatically to go to worst case scenario mm. and so, so we're, we're in this in this position and of course then we don't always discuss some of these things with other people so we keep it privately That's because right. we don't want other people judging us as well and so so we almost go into this vicious circle of well i know i'll just withdraw from doing the things that i do because that feels an easier option mm. than having to try and 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 get round brown fog because it sometimes it, it's almost like you you've got one part of your sentence but you can't reach the other half of the sentence because it doesn't connect together and, and your mind goes completely blank. And like you say, in that position, especially for Louise, if she's on live TV, but in a lot of workplace um, scenarios where perhaps you're doing a presentation or, you know, you, you have got to, you know, um, deliver something which is really important and then you, your mind just goes blank it, it, and everybody's looking at you, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's really difficult then to try and pull back from that sometimes. So as sure. I say, some avoidance um, sometimes is what people will do. How does one know whether these symptoms are the menopause or is it something else? Yeah, so, um, you know, as I said, the average age for um, uh, females for menopause in the UK is 51, but the perimenopausal stage of time leading up to menopause around about the age of 45 is when we can start experiencing some of these symptoms mm. and so what you what that's the education side of it so if we we're you know round about that age and we're starting to get some symptoms then you know we can start to educate ourselves around it and start to you know have a look to um you know it's around about 34 possible symptoms of menopause so you know there are and quite crumbs. a few yeah, if, if, if you like um, and of course you know some might be down to to other things that are happening to us but you know that's when we need to start to perhaps look you know i'm over 45 
oh, I've had the odd hot flush, oh, I've had the odd mood swing, or, you know, I'm just getting, I feel like I'm getting a bit forgetful. Well, let's start to log those symptoms, and we can do that by way of a symptom checker, for example, and let's start to have a look at them and see what the severity of them are, and over time we can start to see patterns and, 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 and how. It's, because sometimes when we are... Um, experiencing symptoms, as I say, it can come into time when we're particularly busy and in our lives. And when our symptoms fluctuate as well, then sometimes we think, oh, I'm all right again now. It's okay. Um, I think I've got that back. Um, but then the symptom might reappear. So being able to monitor your symptoms is really, really useful. And I, su- I suppose as well, symptoms can last for, you know, it's like saying how long's a piece of string. They won't necessarily <laughs> last for so many months or so many years. That it, You know, it, I suppose that's yeah. open-ended really. Well, yeah, because the average age of menopause is between four and nine years. The average age for the average length of menopause is between four and nine years. So it's going to be different for every single person. Um, it is a unique experience. And so, you know, the, the, um, the severity of your symptoms, the amount of your symptoms, the longevity of your symptoms, and, and, you know, how you react to those symptoms, that all comes into play. So it is this very unique experience. And so certainly in the workplace, you know, we are looking to understand from that person's perspective, how menopause is impacting on their ability to carry out their role at work, for example. You know, how is my job made harder because of my menopausal symptoms? But yeah, it is absolutely different for, for every single person. And, and again, you know, through our, our training at work, that, that's what we're talking about. Sure. You know, as a manager, you need to be able to understand your the individual. You need to be able to have that one-to-one conversation with them because you won't be able to help and support unless you understand the impact. Is there any truth, Linda, that men experience a male menopause? Well, do you know, we, we, we very often get asked this and um, I did um, uh, some work for Shropshire Fire and Rescue Service a few years ago now. Mm. And they made menopause training mandatory for all their line managers. And most of their managers are male. And that was a very regular question that Mm. used to come up. Um, Do men experience menopause? What we do know, and it's obviously not my um, area of um, uh, um, expertise, is that um, men do experience um, a decline in testosterone as they start to age. but it's, it, it's generally accepted that the um, falls in testosterone or the, or the fall in hormones isn't as impactive as it right. can be um, within females. But it doesn't mean to say it doesn't happen and it doesn't mean to say that some men don't experience symptoms um, of declining testosterone. Sure. And if they do, then they need to visit their GP and have that conversation right. with them. So there is, there is help available, uh, not only from um, talking menopause, but also medication. Um, what is HRT yeah. and how does it work then? Right, so HRT, hormone replacement therapy, does what it says on the tin. Um, it's it replaces some of the hormones that we are losing as we are going through menopause. Um, so as we're going through menopause, um, estrogen and progesterone are, are fluctuating and are declining. And so what HRT does is put some of those hormones back. So I think, you know, it makes logical sense that if our symptoms are caused by our declining hormone levels, then if we are putting some of those hormones back in, then we are going to help to alleviate um, those symptoms. Mm. Um, You know, if you think about it in those terms, I think it makes logical sense that that it is going to help and support you. There seems to be a shortage of HRT at the moment as well. Do you know why that is? Have you done any research into that? Well, the... the, um, 
the um, the prescriptions or you know the the demand for HRT has increased um, over the past um, five years, um, and that's because there's been more prescribing for for HRT, and mm-hmm. um, and so um, I think the gov- well I know that the government have just appointed um, M- Madeline McTurn, I think it is who mm-hmm. um, and she um, is the one who's in charge of the vaccine task force, and so she's looking. Um, into supply, so it, it is actually increasing demand, and, and and that has happened because more and more people are starting to understand that actually there is some help out there, um, and it is effective, and so therefore supply and demand, and it's as simple as that. And, and I'm really confident that um, you know that that is going to be addressed, um, and certainly by June they're expecting any shortages to um, be addressed. So we can only hope that that's what's going to happen. And I and I heard. Um, Boris Johnson, what was his description? I'm going to, oh, an aggressive approach to fixing it. So let's hope that is the case, um, and we see some um, some changes in that. Well, I mean, Lou was saying the other day that um, the pharmacists. There's been a change in legislation now where pharmacists are allowed to modify a prescription uh, in order to rationalise the supply of HRT. But that, that, in some cases, that's disadvantaging people. Um, do you mean you're rationing it out, or, mm, or yeah, 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 yeah? Um, well, um, it's interesting because um, last towards the end of last year, because there's been an all-party parliamentary group set up um, to discuss menopause, and, and one of the things that came um, out of that towards the end of last year um, was around HRT and the prescribing of HRT and how we could how it should be done. Um, uh, you know, annually rather than than every three months because of um, the cost, the prescription charges. So that's all, all been agreed, but obviously that's going to be a big challenge now because obviously we've got the issue around um, su- supply and demand. Um, and I suppose, you know, in 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 all fairness, if people can't get their supply of HRT, then maybe that's fair that pe- that you know that it is done in that way, so that more people are still getting access to it. But the the other the other uh, thing is that there are alternatives that you can use if you can't get the normal one that you get as well. So um, you know it, it's there's some real horror stories I think when, when you look round and there's some you know some real sensationalist reporting about people you know paying a lot of extra money for HRT or going to uh, the black market for HRT, um, but um, there are alternatives that you can use as well. But that isn't really what people want to hear, mm. especially when they've just got you know got it working for them. Because sometimes it can be a bit of trial and error just to make sure, sure. you've got the right one that works sure. for you. So, for somebody who thinks they're experiencing uh, the menopause now, what should be their first course of action? Okay, so if you think you're experiencing um, symptoms of menopause. What, what we talk about here is self-advocacy because what we really need to do is understand um, what's happening to us. So start to do your research um, and start to explore around your symptoms. Keep a symptom checker um, because that's really going to help give you some evidence around, um, if you're going to go into your GP, some evidence around your symptoms. There is an app called the Balance app, which is is free, um, and you can record your symptoms on there. And if you do record your symptoms, then you can also print off a health report to take to your GP as well. And we would also recommend that if you are going to go and see your GP, that you read the NICE guidance before you go because it sets out there what you should expect when you go and talk to your doctor. And it really should be around a partnership. Um, Mm -hmm. So... 
So you're going in there, you're explaining your symptoms because so many people get fobbed off um, from their doctor or given antidepressants or, you know, they're not having discussions about HRT or other, um, you know, um, medication that can help them. Um, so, you know, it, it almost sounds we sh- like we shouldn't be doing this, but we absolutely need to take charge of it ourselves and to explore around the symptoms have a you know really explore what we think is going to work for us and it, and if we want to try HRT for example then we should be going to have that conversation with our GP um, around what what we would like to see and there's um, no, because there's a, sorry no there's there's loads of information as well on your website isn't there give that a mention yeah well our website is um, talking menopause um, um, but um, we, we are not medical providers and the, the um, balancedmenopause.com is the one I would say to go and have a look for any medical um, information because mm-hmm. um, we, we provide workplace uh, education and training around men- menopause. Um, so if, any, if anybody out there wants to come and talk to us about workplace, then we, we are more than happy to do that, of course. Super. It's a fascinating subject and, you know, it's something that I was very keen to get at it there in the open and, and break down that stigma as, as well. It, and it, as you say, it's important to have that leap of faith and, you know, take it to the next stage. Go and speak to your GP and diary yeah. your symptoms as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, key, you know, just and, and the thing is, you know, every single one of us can make a difference to this conversation um, because if we all start to talk about it and we talk about it and normalise it, yeah, absolutely, that, and and that's and that's what we need to do. Because if we do that, um, then you know, uh, you know, I, I quite often have a little joke with people to say, well, in three or four years' time, we might not exist because actually everybody's really comfortable with talking about menopause, and we just take, you know, we just get on with it mm. to a degree, um, but. We've just got to accept that for some people it's a huge, huge challenge um, and we will get through it and there is life after menopause and, you know, we can have this new zest for life and this let's start doing the things that maybe we haven't done for a few years because we haven't felt, you know, that, that we want to. But if we think of the average age of menopause is 50, you know, 51 and our life expectancy is 83, then, you know, we've got 30 years where we want to lead a really good life after after menopause as well. So it's something that we really, you know, there's a real investment to want to be able to um, get through get through menopause, if you like, and then we get back on, you know, with everything we want to do. So I think it's really important. Linda Bailey, co-founder and director of Talking Menopause. Thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Live. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 8pm. If you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by Clive Payne and produced by Andy Caddick.